Tony. Welcome back to a new episode of 100 Steps to Drag, the podcast where I, Natasha 100, sit down with your favorite drag artists to find out where they started and where they want to go. Baby, we have an extra, extra, extra special guest today. I am so thrilled to have her here on the pod. I admire her so much and she has helped not only me but a lot of other queens and kings and drag things to get started. She is a true icon. She, again, has paved the way for so many of us, both on TV and on her local drag scenes. She's a fashion icon. She's so effervescent. She is an HIV advocate and all around a legend. From RuPaul's Drag Race is season one and also Five, please welcome Angina. Hi, Natasha. Your name didn't used to be Hundreds. It, it didn't used to be Hundreds. It was just it was Natasha B. Natasha B. That's right. Well, hello, Miss Hundreds. How are you? Good. I am very excited that you're here with me. How are you? How was your day? So I'm doing the reviews for Drag Race Philippines season two, sort of like a toot and boot, and I'm having to like edit everything myself and I kind of just hate it <laughs> and so that usually takes up a lot of my like day off which is usually Tuesdays I try to get that going the minute I film so I filmed on Thursday but I've been very busy but besides that I'm having a good day I think it started out a little bit annoying but it's gotten better you know what I'm gonna do a shameless plug because I need to connect you with the people that helped me edit the podcast shout out to Julie and Chow Panda Productions they are amazing so we'll talk we'll talk the thing is it's like I have control issues <laughs> so I need to be the one like cutting out what I don't want emphasizing what I do want so like right. many many people have offered their services but I just like I'm not ready to quite let go so I think it, I'm part of the problem <laughs> <laughs> you're like this is my child don't touch it yeah yeah so maybe one day I'll be like okay but for now I'm happy to take it on it's fine. I'm like a queer person with control issues? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, what? That's unheard of. Yeah, never. Oh gosh. But I'm so excited for people to get to know the queen behind Angina and what happened prior to season one. So let's rewind. Let's go back in time. And I want to talk about this phase of Peck Peck Galore, which is, well, your first drag name that you used. How did you come up with that? That didn't actually stick for very long. I like sort of have this like fascination with like naming myself within like the female anatomy or like a pun intended and Peck Peck is vagina essentially in my language and you know they had Pussy Galore on um, 007 so I was like well if she can be Pussy Galore I can be Peck Peck Galore and then I don't know it just sounded like not it didn't stick because it didn't sound like it didn't just it didn't roll off your tongue quite as easy or quite as aggressively as Angina. You know, it's like kind of like Madonna, Cher, like the one name thing like straight to the for point me. yeah it's just straight to the point it's still a pun intended obviously it's uh, Ong which is my middle name and then Aina which is the last three letters of vagina so I always say my Anjana comes from Ong my middle name and 
Aina from a certain Aina I was not blessed with. So then I just made myself an Angina. And honestly, it works so well. It does. Because I also stand like the one name girls, like Beyonce. Come on, is that like stardom kind of a feel? Rihanna, yeah. Like, I mean, I've also had that name for so long that it's just it, you know? And the thing is, is like when I started out as a drag queen, I was sort of like not really a drag queen. I was more of like, like a club kid in the scene. So when I was picking my name, I was like, it doesn't necessarily have to be like super female or it doesn't have to be like super like normal girl. You know, like some people are like Stephanie Dufont. Yeah, <laughs> super like pageanty. You know, I don't know. Like I just I wanted it to be like more campy, like different because I was not really a drag queen. I didn't really like I didn't really think of myself as a drag queen. So I was like, you know, it's, it, I wanted it to be a little bit further away from it being so realistic. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of stuck. So that's what had happened. And it's worked ever since, baby. Yeah, it's, it's been a, it's, a, it's a really fun name. And while I was researching you, which means pretty much stalking the internet <laughs> for things about you, I learned that you started in Seattle and then you went to New York City and then you landed in Los Angeles. Yeah. How was that changed from like one scene to the other? Was that hard? So in Seattle, um, I immigrated there from the Philippines back in 1994. And then I, I went to, you know, primary school, middle school, and then I went to high school there. And then in the middle of my high school years, I became like like a raver. So that's when I was starting to like meet other queer folk and people in like the same community in the same wavelength as me. I was like experimenting with dressing a little bit more non-binary and like really honing in more in like my gayness and like my queerness and like my femininity and actually being a raver really helped me like come to terms with being gay because it was just like it was so helpful for me me to see other like gay people just loving living life the same way that I was and so I was really happy to have been able to like experience that in my young years and I've always been sort of like ambitious like I always wanted to do like more and like I just knew that the world is so big that there's like so much adventure. I visited like New York City right after I graduated from high school and then I like came back home to Seattle but I had already been fantasizing about New York for like for as long as I can remember and then I was like at that time I wasn't living at home anymore so then I was like I'm gonna move back home save my money buy a one-way ticket to New York City and then just see if I survive. So I did that in 2001. I ended up going back home in like January 2001. I bought a one-way ticket to New York City for like September 30th or something like that. And yeah, and so I actually wasn't going to move there because 9-11 had happened. And my mom, you know, my mom was like really worried. I was worried. But then I was like, no, I got to do this. Like if this is going to be the test of my ability to survive, like this is the time to do it. And I did. And I was 19 at the time. Very young Gina. <laughs> young Gina. You were very young. Oh my gosh. Moving across the country. Mm-hmm. And then I just met like really incredible people through my work. And then from there, I started going out a little bit more in like queer places. And then I met more people from work that introduced me to more queer spaces and more queer people. And then I became sort of like infused in this New York City scene with like Amanda Lepore, Kenny Kenny, like Sophia Lamar. 
far thanks to my friend Glenmore who really like introduced like this world to me and because of that I just kind of like see New York City was like my actual growing up like I became the person I am because of New York because it really like molds you into so many different aspects of who you are or who I am I guess but then I started like partying and stuff and that's kind of like when I started like wearing more feminine clothing and stuff and doing a little bit more makeup like still sort of like club kid I guess is what I would probably reference it to sorry this is a really long story and then I went to a restaurant called Lucky Chang where they do drag performances and it's like a restaurant and then I went there for dinner with a friend and then like I went in drag and then all the people that worked there were like you should work here and then I like met the owner that same night and then she was like yeah do a, do a trial I did a trial I got hired and then so that was kind of like the beginning of me being like true drag illusion female whatever and then I like hosted karaoke I would serve dinner in drag it was like the most fun it was really truly amazing it sounds like a lot of fun did they still do drag or does that place still exist so that place where it originally was is no longer there but they had moved it to a different part of the city and still open I actually was doing interviews a couple of years ago and people were like oh or like a few years ago they're like is this still open I was like no it's closed and then one of the girls that I used to work with like DM me was like girl we're still open we just moved and I was like oh sorry <laughs> you're like oopsie support Lucky Chang's <laughs> yeah I totally didn't even realize so this entire time I was working like female fashion I was doing like management visual merchandising and then towards the end of my New York City life there was an expansion for my company that I worked with at the time to Los Angeles and I had visited Los Angeles in 2002 and again sometime and I was like you know what I think I can see myself in Los Angeles so I sort of took that opportunity for work and I just asked if I can move and then I, I got moved and then jokingly you know when I arrived to Los Angeles when I first saw the Hollywood sign I was like Anjana's gonna be famous so I guess this is where the story ends because we are here because <laughs> you are famous you put it out in the universe and it happened yeah, I don't know if it was a mistake <laughs> but yeah no, no, no I was I was really happy <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing girl that was a journey from like Seattle to New York to no it's I loved it because I mean we know the angina that we see like on TV that we see at the shows but we like a lot of people including myself had no clue that you like you moved so much and that you know how you found your ground I didn't know you were more like a club kid kind of a performer before so I, I'm like enlightened right now well thank you I actually moved to New York City to focus solely on my non-drag career so I like boxed her up and I said you know I'm not gonna do it anymore and then my friend that I was hanging out with here Gabe we were like talking and it was like New Year's Eve and I was like should I go out and drag he's like yeah you totally should I was like yeah but I like don't do it anymore like I boxed her up she's like in the attic whatever like just do it and then like literally I was freaking out I got dressed I went out and it was like my introduction to like the Los Angeles scene with like mustache Mondays and then it was like bears in space and like there's all like all these other parties in downtown LA that like I was so happy to have found it because I I was hating LA when I moved here and I was like needing to find what was missing for me when I used to live in New York New York New York is New York 
you know, like, and then I moved to LA and I was like, I need to find my tribe. Well, don't say that. I was like, I need to find my community. And then I was introduced to it and then I loved it. And I started doing more drag. And then I actually like, like these places that I would frequent to party, like I would ask if I can like perform. And you know, when people talk about paying your dues, it was very true. Like you do it for free for tips to get your name out there. And then you keep doing it, keep doing it until one day somebody's like, all right, it's time for you to get paid because you've paid your dues you know what i mean it is crazy no yeah i had to pay my dues too i did so many so many tip spots and it wasn't like i started drag five years ago so it's crazy that that prevailed all this time yeah and i think it's important to note that compensation for drag artists is very important but it's also important to note that compensation comes with your professionalism your experience like you have to to show that you are are invested in it in more ways than just money because like even at Lucky Chang's when I did my trial like I wasn't getting paid yeah like the tables were tipping me you know because I was serving them dinner while in drag but like that's just what happens and now I think there's like this misconception that like the minute you put on a pair of eyelashes like you should get paid $300 for like one number and it's like no we don't get there until like you really pay your dues and and people do people get paid faster because they hone in in their craft and their art and they're so good at it that show directors see that and so they they find the value you know with each other the value of performing for someone and the value of them performing for them etc etc but yeah that's how it was like back 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 in the day for me no it's like a job you know like in order to get paid for a job you have to like meet this stuff you know like you said say that you are there you know meeting all the stuff that you they require I know it's not like super as rigid in drag but you're right you know it's very rare that like the moment you put on a pair of lashes like you're truly amazing like there's stuff that you need to figure out as far as like stage press sense as far as like interacting with the audience so i see what you're saying with uh i hate the word pay your dues but <laughs> it is like paying your dues <laughs> yeah i know there was such a there was a there was a big conversation about that on facebook a few years ago because people were arguing because they felt like that's such old drag mentality but that's just like work mentality to me and yes i'm older so i get it and the younger generations don't see it the same way but i think the message for me is like do drag beyond the money because then the money comes when you truly prove that the drag you're doing is something that you invested in because you love the art of before you say I want to do drag for money do you see what I'm saying yeah absolutely like when I started I didn't do it for money I literally like I wore female clothing and I said I'm gonna be a fucking drag queen I want to wear high heels period yeah I want to wear like fierce shit I want to just go out there be seen I wanted that and then I wasn't such a performer for a while but then I was like oh I think I want to start getting on stage like performing you know and like like etc 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 but now it's like ooh, i want to do drag because i want to be on rupaul's drag race so i can get five thousand dollars for a gig and it's like it's good to have aspirations to get to on a show but like but like also do it for the right reasons i think absolutely i was talking to tuding from mm-hmm. drag race philippines mm-hmm. season one on during drag on weekend oh such a beautiful angel that she is i had fell in love with her and she said something similar she said learn the craft first like it said don't do it just for the money learn the craft learn everything 
everything that comes with it and then like dive into the money and the gigs because it's going to come by itself. Like once you learn the craft and you fall in love with the craft, the money is going to is gonna come by itself. So that's a really good message. I, I love it because to your point, I see a lot of people on social media that are like, yeah, I'm just starting drag, you know, and I see like that, you know, like you said, ambition, which is good, but also like learn what's more about it. You know, it's an art form at the end of the day. Yeah. I'm super curious. How was the drag scene before Drag Race, right? Before drag became so popular and so mainstream and that it's everywhere. What was the biggest difference of like the drag scene before and after Drag Race? I think people took more risks. I think people cared less. I think the artists at my time like did it because they truly, truly wanted to be on stage and they wanted to showcase beautiful presentations, beautiful artwork. And I guess that's still true like this time, but I don't know. I think that there was like, now that everything is being videotaped, you know, we can't get as risque or we can't get as, and I'm not saying problematic things are okay. I'm just saying like there was like there was less fear in performing wild like more wild back in the day than than now you know what I mean like the especially with like the legislations that are banning drag especially with like the Republicans and you know social media like all of the people that believe that we are more than just performers or entertainers and they think that we're like horrible people I think I think it's like why drag is so much more important but I also think why drag entertainers are doing less things that that are considered a little bit more risque because it's like it's just like too much to handle for one person's mental health at least for me no I agree because I find myself also like toning down my numbers a little bit more especially because yeah to your point you don't know who can be like recording just for fun and brunch and when they post it somebody completely takes it out of context on social media and they're like oh look at this blah 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 and also the second one a lot of the gigs at least I mean this talking from my experience that I have are like brunch gigs and I mean that's a completely different like schedule to like do these kinds of or like pushing a a little bit more Mm -hmm. so I see what you're saying oh yeah that's what it is that's the word like I think there was more pushing the boundaries Mm -hmm. back in my time versus now things are a little bit more commercial obviously with the popularity of drag shows and like the popularity of um, drag TV shows um, I think the boundaries get pushed a little less because of it. Like, I remember back, back, back in the day and people will probably find it if they wanted to. Like, I performed as the Virgin Mary. Yeah. Um, I did Halo. I performed as the Virgin Mary and then I had a Jesus and I like had sex with him on the stage. Not like actual sexual intercourse, but like I laid him, you know, like, you know when like Mary laid him after the cross or whatever. Uh. <laughs> That's so fucked up for so many people. I'm so sorry. I had him in my arms and I laid him to the floor like Mary did when he came from the, you know, when he, he was laid down from the cross or whatever before he was put in the in the rock formation, whatever that was. You know, before he descended into heaven, ascended into heaven, whatever. Yeah. Like, as I lay him, I turned and I straddled him and then I started like dry humping his penis, dressed as a Virgin Mary, performing Halo. That's iconic. I would pay money to see that. <laughs> I cannot do that now. Like, you know, like there was a performance from a long time ago where I had pulled up a lady, a lady on, on stage and I did, I kissed the girl and I was caressing their boobs and stuff and like doing, you know, like whatever on their breasts because it's 
is kiss the girl and then like pretending that I didn't like it like bleh, you know whatever and like those those type of performances like they, they won't fly now ever oh no <laughs> no oh my gosh even like I have a burlesque number that I have to be very careful doing because like I love doing it at brunch because it's so much fun and high energy but um but you know sometimes brunches are all all ages so if I like take off my my cover up and I'm like in pasties and a corset and a panty like that's risque for a lot of people that's too much yeah but like you know I don't know it's just it's a different world we're living in it is a different world truly as far as drag and I think that obviously drag race had a lot to do with it and you were part of that phenomenon on season one on the very original season yeah you're all welcome <laughs> you're like you're welcome bitches you know this is my Venmo <laughs> <laughs> yeah at Angina <laughs> but how was it getting selected because nowadays people audition for many consecutive years but how does it feel that Miss Paul and selected you from a select group of, of drag queens so I moved to Los Angeles in 2007 I started like performing around town and they started casting for that show like I think earlier summer 2008 I think we filmed in like August and so it was a very short period of time of me performing and at that time I was doing like stuff that I would never do now like I performed at this one party as I was performing Celine Dion I was performing there were nights when the wind was so cold right I performed as a homeless person with like a shopping cart and then I had like my homeless boyfriend and like I put him on a chair and I started to do like a lap dance on <laughs> yeah, him yeah it was different it was different do you see what I'm saying like these are like questions like these are like to me it's like fun right it's like fun to watch it's like wild and people are like where does where does she get these ideas but now to the public it's like that's wrong you shouldn't make fun of homeless people I wasn't making fun of homeless people you know what I'm saying but anyway so yeah I was performing and then basically they like they had these like casting directors that was like all over LA asking people if they would like sign up for this or audition for this new show uh, you know for drag queens this competition blah 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 and I kept saying no until they were like just send in a tape and at the time it was supposed to be you and your best friend and your best friend would be like your assistant in the show so you were gonna get casted like you as a drag queen and then your best friend and that person was like oh I have balloons and like so basically sorry so basically it was like and then they changed it and it was just us and so like I had asked my friend who was gonna come with me to like record me so we recorded for like a few hours and it was like the night before the deadline and then they were like did you record a video did you edit it I was like I recorded it but I'm not editing it so you can take whatever you want from this like four hour footage. And I just dropped it off and I was like, I gotta go. And then I think it was like a week later when they were like, hey, we want you to do an in-studio interview, which is actually available on YouTube, by the way. It's so funny. Really? Oh my God, I need to find it and put it on the show notes. I look a mess, don't find it. <laughs> You're like, you better not find it, bitch. <laughs> so yeah, and then I did that I did that um, in-studio interview, and then like a few weeks later, or like a week later, I got a letter from RuPaul, and it was actually like hand-signed. I mean, it was typed up, but she hand-signed it. I need to find that and sell it or something. But she was like, hold on to your tucking panties the something something to the race is almost complete like like it's almost like you're in the running sort of mail i think it was 
And then I was at work one day and it was like another few days. And then they called me. They're like, hey, it's us and us from from World of Wonder. And we would like to ask you a couple more questions. And I'm like walking like across the crosswalk. And they're like, question this, question that. I answered it. And they're like, okay, hold on one second. And they're like, congratulations. You know, and that's and it was like truly amazing. But I mean, the criteria for getting on the show back then was like half a page versus now, you know, it's like 14 pages of requirements. I can even imagine it's a bible it's a bible nowadays of like Is it? have you done oh it oh my god i've i've looked at the application and it's so many questions that i get overwhelmed and i'm like mm, maybe next year so i've been like i've been lazy i've been lazy yeah yeah i totally get it oh my gosh that is so funny that you had like i mean it's still a pretty lengthy application but i guess for tv like it's still it's not as bad as nowadays but it's so fun that you, i you need to find that letter and not sell it like frame it or something <laughs> Yeah, I have it. I literally have the entire packet with me. I even have like the requirements of what you need to bring. So it was like 12 things and it was so generic. It was like bring a cowgirl outfit, bring an evening wear. It was like, like you know, things to bring. And it was like bullet pointed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10 or whatever. Now it's like 34 pages of like contracts and what you can and cannot do what you can or cannot bring. Yeah, it's truly intense. Yeah. And the requirements are like, you know, versus back then, like cowgirl. Now it's more like, oh, picnic, eleganza, extravaganza. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Halloween meets Kwanzaa, realness, <laughs> something like that. It's so wild. <laughs> it really is. Oh, gosh. What really is wild is all the work that you've done after Drag Race. You've been uh, touring all over the place. But one of my favorite things that you've done is... Can you even drag? <laughs> that is literally my favorite because a lot of the guests that I've had on the pod started on Can You Even Drag uh -huh. or, you know, New York Queens back in the day and they're still going. We're still here. So can you share a little bit more of Can You Even Drag and what is it? Yeah, so uh, back, I think, in 2017 is my very first one. I think it was Barbara Wire who won that. It was Barbara Wire versus Kyra Jate. I think that was the first one. And uh, it was at Mickey's and it used to be called So You Think You Can lip sync and so we did it once there and then it has had a few names it's been so you think you can lip sync new queens new to the scene and now we have can you even drag because i want it to be inclusive obviously but the main purpose is that I find so many amazing entertainers in in California or Southern California, LA, that never gets the chance to be on stage or never gets their opportunity to showcase their talent. And I'm so proud because I'm so happy to literally have seen so many of those girls that have come through these competitions and do so well in their career and drag and in their lives, including yourself. Obviously, you did that as well. And it just makes me happy to know that there other people are seeing your talent, right? Because as you know, in Los Angeles, it's very clicky, right? It's very hard. Very hard. So I think a lot of it, like their talent speaks for themselves. And I'm so happy to have like met so many amazing entertainers because of my competition. So the main goal really is to give 
a stage to drag artists that want to be able to showcase their talent. And even if you're one month old or three years old, and normally I try and do like three years or younger and be able to like get some feedback and and really learn to feel yourself on stage because I think that's the most important. And it just like makes me happy to see how happy people are when they're doing it. It's so. such a fun competition. Oh my gosh. I did it years ago when I was just starting maybe like 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. And it was, it's, it's been great. And uh, like, again, a lot of the people that had competed it or completed, they're still here. They're still yeah. like seen because it's amazing. It's truly amazing. Yeah. And I like, I'm not responsible for their career, but I'm happy to admit that I have helped somehow. And so hopefully the people that do take it seriously that come through these competitions and I have seen it like continue to like really hone in on their art and just continue doing it and I always say like if there's no seat for you at the table make your own literally yeah yeah but we're actually I'm so excited because I don't know when this is airing but in November we're gonna have can you even drag all stars so it's anyone that has ever competed in all of those four different named (laughs) competition shows it can be winners runner-ups like whoever and we're gonna have 10 competitors on an eight-week period and there's gonna be an elimination every day and then the top three will battle it out for two thousand dollars honey i'm about to sign up right now i'm like okay it's two thousand (laughs) bucks there we go we got we got our first contestant no but i mean i know that you like you're not fully responsible for their careers but it does help because i remember when i did it uh serena infinity iconic oh that's right she was versus violetta no i don't remember wait i think she was versus barbara because barbara competed again true i think she made it top two and then barbara won again because violetta queen who won like the most recently she was again another trans woman and it was angelina jelena i think Mm -hmm. i know her name is angelina but i think it was two trans women on the very top and then tamara simone colby i think she's a colby tamara simone she's out in like riverside and she won like the second one and then barbara wire won the first one and then barbara won again so yeah i i mean it's been really fun obviously we, we didn't do it in 2021 22 so we had hiatus and you know red line is my home so we've we've brought it back there and now we're thinking about this all-star competition that's going to be really sickening so i'm really excited it is going to be sickening because a lot of sickening performers have competed in all those iterations of, of the competition yeah like my dream and my hope and my like my goal is to like have that as a new television competition because there's not really one for newer newer queens right it's kind of like drag boot camp sort of like I kind of like and you know drag you was going to be that premise supposed to be like we were going to bring in like three entertainers that's just starting out and we were going to like transform them and then the winner of that entire series was going to be the contestant on the new season of drag race and then they changed the whole thing that would have been sickening yeah I know and then they changed the whole thing and it became women that felt like they have lost like their fire or, which was still great I mean like I was I need ma- a little boost a little boost like I remember one of my girls she came on the show with her husband dying from brain cancer just from like six weeks ago it was so wild and it was like a crying fest but she was like this is the boost that I needed so it was a great show but I think like if I can have can you even drag or new new to the scene whatever like in that 
capacity. I think that would be really amazing. That would be sickening. I, I would watch it. I know a lot of people would watch it and audition. If you would watch it or audition, let us know in the comments. And honey, we might, you know, we, we might, you know, look at them and, and be like, okay, okay. Right. I might just have to bring my VHS camera <laughs> to the gig and just put it up on YouTube. Not the VHS, mama. <laughs> I'll, I'll hook you up. I'll hook you up. <laughs> my camcorder. <laughs> But before we move on from Can You Even Drag, I want to talk to you about this stanky-ass hoe that competed in my season. So this bitch, she competed and it was, the challenge was Night of a Thousand on Dinus with Ariana Grande songs. Oh, yeah! It was a lot of fun because the contestant had to look pick one of your iconic looks and like bring it to the stage with an Ariana Grande song, which is your diva. Yeah, she's my diva. And this bitch picked up a look that was representative of your Viva Mac glam challenge mm -hmm. and the reason she picked it it's because she also happened to be HIV positive and you inspired mm -hmm. her so much to do that and to this day you do and I know that because that stanky ass hoe is me mm -hmm. and I just wanted to take this chance to say thank you so much not only for the work that you do at Can You Even Drag but also for being so open and for having that conversation around HIV because I remember when I got my diagnosis like one of the first things that came up after all the negative that comes through your mind one of the first positive things that came up to my mind was when you came out as HIV positive on, on that episode. And I was like, that gave me like a little ray of hope of like, okay, let's switch gears. What is next? So again, thank you so much. And I know there's so many other stories out there that and other queens and queer people that thank you. I love that night and do appreciate you letting me know like, you know, because I think experiences like this, it's not always easy to talk to anybody about it. And I always say like, when the time is right like people it's people's decisions to be able to like come out and say I'm HIV positive or like share with strangers or family friends because it's probably one of the most difficult things luckily it's not anymore it's something that people can survive it's something that people can you know control with medication and and I think the biggest thing about um about it is really like how you tackle the news and how you tackle the diagnosis and how you want to continue to live your life and I think that's what I advocate for. I advocate for the fact that just because I got the virus and just because I'm HIV positive doesn't mean that I can't live. That's what I most advocate for people to continue to live their lives, dream their dreams, reach for the stars. It, it took me a while to get there myself. But I think after realizing that I'm in control of my mental health, I was in control of my physical health. I was in control of things that I can manage as long as I did it right then I was going to be okay and it took me about seven months to get there after my diagnosis but I got there and so I think I always just show people that it can be done um, sure some places or some people that like reach out to me from different countries and stuff may not have the same resources that's why I always say that it's important to only disclose if you are ready to and you feel like you're you're in a safe environment obviously the conversation that surrounds it when having you know a sexual partner is also very important and different so that approach is also within your terms but i always say always be honest but you know it's just like so i have the virus so what 
that doesn't define me. That doesn't define that doesn't define you. But it was a road that took longer than I should have let it. It should have been. But you know, your emotions, like your emotions just defeat you and then you realize that it shouldn't. Yeah. It's tough because I mean there's so much stigma around the virus, even now with all the information that we have. So it's all that negative energy really does overtake your brain, you know, and it's hard to snap out of that and be like, okay, actually I'm in control of this. And actually let's see what are the next steps I need to take to make sure I'm living my life to the fullest regardless. So, and I, I love your message. Thank you. And the stigma is something that I also try and advocate for. Like I'm an open book so people can kind of relate to me just as a human being more than just like an HIV positive person because they're seeing like the raw human emotions and they're seeing the person instead of them seeing the virus, right? But I mean, I even had internal stigma, like thinking I was gross, thinking I was unlovable, thinking I was gonna, you know, not be okay, that I wasn't fit for society because I, you know, all these things that I thought of that was so bad. And I think that also starts with you. Like, I think that's the first thing. And then the second thing is like understanding what happens next, right? Like, what do you do? So that's why I talk a lot about like what I do and how I do it to stay healthy. And then third is then, you know, how do you then continue your life? Do you continue it sad and depressed or do you continue it like you're in control of your life? And I think that obviously for me, like I want people to know that I'm happy despite being HIV positive and that circumstances may be different for other people. But I think it really starts with you. So I think once people start to like own that, then it's easier to then live your life as free as I have been. And it it also wasn't super easy. Like I have had so many people message me and inspire me to continue to talk about it because, you know, I wasn't the first one to be open about my status. I mean, like I remember Pedro on The Real World even before I was positive. And I was like, wow, what a brave person. Right. So I think it's just like now a natural like thing. Like I could just live my life. And if somebody wants to talk about it, I'll be like, sure, let's talk about it. Because if I always say if I help one person then that person can help another and then that person can help another. And then, you know, yeah, it's like a chain of good intentions and, and helping each other. I love it. And you've helped so many people. Just I want you to know that not only this danky asshole, but many, many others. I am so sure of that. Oh, my God. Let me try my tears a little bit thank you truly truly thank you because again you've done so much great work even before drag race after drag race i you've shared a little bit of what is next for you but what are some of your next plans what is next for angina let's say for the short term and like the next year or so and what would be like your ultimate goal that when you reach it you're like bitch i did that <laughs> i have like so many ideas in my mind that revolves like angina as a career woman and I have so many like hobbies and projects like I love interior design so like I dream that one day Netflix would just pick me up and my friend who does interior design and we could just like go around America and just like turn your life upside down and be fabulous and then there's the idea of like new queens or new kings or new in-betweens and like you know competition 
audition for the the new like you know the new star but my goal in the moment is just like focus on my business in 2024 I really want to achieve debt free <laughs> very important <laughs> I want to achieve traveling to destinations that I've always had desire going these are like more personal this is a little bit beyond angina and just to continue to be healthy really for angina I obviously always want to challenge myself better than I did last year so I'm always hustling there's always a gig there's always a bar there's always a dance club and you know I saw something today that said closed mouths don't get fed true bitch I'm ready to open mine you know what I mean and I have (laughs) been I have been hustling as far as I can remember so yeah those are sort of like my 12 month goal but I think long term you know eventually I want to be able to like expand on some of the talents that I have beyond just being like a drag queen and not involves like I said interior design or like hosting a show for like new entertainers because that would be the only cattiest bitchiest most entertaining season of all I, again I, if you need investors I cannot be one because I don't have that coin but I'll help you find some right it would be a true it really truly would be amazing that would be great I would again I don't have the money but if I had I would be like how much how much you need right so funny what I need you to put on your goals too is to get back on TikTok to do like your unboxing society those were so cute bitch oh my god I am in my room and I am overwhelmed because there's so much shit in here and I really I want to do a purge so bad but I have hoarding issues I believe minor but definitely present (laughs) but I was talking to my friend and he was like if it hasn't been on your body for one year it's time to go Mm. like and I was like what about if you're collecting them he's like what are you collecting I was like basically shoes I was like I don't think I could do that I don't think I can let go he's like well you're gonna have to try and I was like oof all right, we'll see. I'll think about it. Try with one pair, you know, small steps. I mean, I'm pretty smart though. Like I always revolve my designer clothing. Like when I'm done with it for the season, there's so many like resellers that do designer resell. So like I'll sell it like right, like last month I sold at the real real and I made like $499. That is pretty good. Yeah. Even though I've used it and I've worn it and I paid way more than that. Now I have $500 coming. Yeah. It's kind of like that. And I think people think I just like spend all my money. I think that because of my husband, I don't think that I would be financially stable if it wasn't for him. Because if it wasn't for him, I would be just like at the mall every day. The minute, the minute that Venmo ching comes on, I'm out. You're like, bye. Walking out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Shout out to all the drag husbands out there because you guys really keep us sane and online. But I think I'm gonna, I might start doing it again. I kind of want to do it. I think I want to bring it to Instagram instead of TikTok. Also, I feel like TikTok is a lot of fun. Like you can reach a lot more people there. What do you want to switch to Instagram? Even about that, it's just like I don't enjoy the platform at all. Mm, okay. Like I don't I don't like it. I like TikTok. I, <laughs> I sound like an old man. I don't, I don't like TikTok. I don't like the TikTok. <laughs> Such an old man for saying it. But honestly, truly, I don't enjoy it. So. Hey, it's you have to do whatever makes you happy. If you don't like the TikTokies, like, like why being there, you know? Exactly. 
we are entering my favorite section of the pod, which is the drag tip of the week. Ooh, drag tip of the week. Of the week. If you imagine your competition after uh, Can You Even Drag? And one of the contestants approaches you and asks you, what is one thing that I should do as a new drag artist? I've been doing this for a month. What would you tell them? It's your confidence on stage because being a drag queen for me is being an entertainer. And I love seeing confidence, which then translates to energy, which then translates to better performance on stage. So a lot of newer entertainers obviously get nervous, but I get nervous still every single time before I get on stage. So I just take that nervousness energy and it's just bring it to my performance. And when in doubt, look beyond people. Don't ever look at people in the eyes. Look beyond them and it will look like you're looking at them, but you're not looking at them. And that's what I do. And then the minute I feel calmer because I do that, then I can start looking people in the eye. But it's really your confidence that shows on stage. I love the drag math that happened. The little equation, you're like confidence plus this translates into energy. <laughs> Look at us being mathematicians now. <laughs> drag math 101. I love that because you're right. You just sometimes have all these nerves. I mean, it happens to all of us, I think. Even if you've been performing for like one month or one decade, two decades, it, it happens to all of us because we care about this, you know? So it's just about how you translate that and how you use that to, to perform. I also don't look people in the eye right away. I look at their foreheads and it looks like <laughs> I'm looking at them in the eye. Start beyond it. Yeah, totally. I love that girl. It's all about that confidence. Oh my gosh. This has been such a great conversation. We've laughed. We've been on our feels. Angina again, thank you so, so much for being my guest. I truly, truly adore you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I had a good time. Tomorrow is our semifinals for Can You Even Drag? I'll be there. I'll be supporting. In the words of Mother Rue, I can't wait to see how this turns out. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow. Anything else you want to plug in? Any uh, working people find you on social media in case they're not following you already which is a sin my instagram my twitter and my venmo is all the same it's at angina o-n-g-i-n-a honey finder see your life because you'll not regret it thank you so much and to y'all thank you and i'll talk to you next week bye thank you for listening to a hundred steps to drag if you like my podcast, don't be shy. Share it with your friends. Leave me a review. If you didn't like it, you're probably homophobic. This episode was edited by Chow Panda Productions. I'll see you next Tuesday. Bye.